Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James. Welcome to the show. Today, we're going to be looking back at Fulham's progression in the Carabao Cup. The prediction dream, the hot take lives on. Fulham won 5-3 on penalties after a one-all draw in normal time. Viva la Carabao. Also in today's show, we're going to be previewing Man City on Saturday and we'll be talking about all the latest transfer rumours ahead of Friday's deadline. There's time at the end for some questions and then a this will catch on special. I'm joined today by Jack Collins. Hello. Hello, Sammy. Hello, listeners. How you doing? And stepping in for Peter Rutzler today, Fulham's finest fan in Germany. It's Archie Rintart. Hello. Sammy. Hello, Jack. Good to be with you. Looking forward to it. Oh, it's good to have you on and not just to be um, lambasting Fulham's ticket price policy. <laughs> oh, I was hoping you'd create a good five minutes for that anyway. <laughs> Surely um, not. We, we can find five minutes for Archie to go on a, to go on a run. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Um, before we get into all of that, though, Jack, what were the best three word reviews that came from last night? So I, I enjoyed Anthony Blair's Tettenham given boot, which was, was fun. Dave Kettlehake's <laughs> Fulham's Anger Management, which which was also very, very enjoyable. Oh, Cam ooh. Ramsey with Kenny Boots winner was pretty, pretty, pretty struck there. Tom Great Rex went down the same tree. He went uh, Spurs booted out. Um, but I think maybe and maybe my favorite was uh, our old friend Richard Bamber, Kenny's shoe in. <laughs> Exceptional. Exceptional. Thank you very much as ever for your three word reviews. Let's get into last night and what an enjoyable game that was. Fulham progressing on penalties against Spurs in the Carabao Cup and Archie, for Mm. the most part, um, the weird two minutes where Kenny Tete had to go off to replace his boot. We'll come on to that. I thought Fulham were pretty excellent. Yeah, I was surprise because when I looked at the Spurs starting lineup as somebody who's not seen a lot of Spurs in the last few years I looked at it and I thought that's still a pretty strong team mm. to be able to put out and okay we've gone with quite a strong lineup as well how are we going to cope and yet the way that we managed to just shut down all the avenues that they were trying to get down and really suffocate them so effectively listening to Marco Silva after the game he was he was glowing particularly because of those first 30 minutes and the way that the team went about the task. And it's just refreshing after what happened against Brentford in the last home game and building on what happened against Arsenal and seeing that actually there is a plan and a blueprint for how Fulham can go about games against superior opposition. And it was just very encouraging as well to see the fact that Somebody like Rodrigo Munez, who we don't expect to be playing too big a role this season, actually didn't look too bad, considering that he didn't get a game really at Middlesbrough last season. And sure, there were bits where you were wondering, okay, he's just a like an inch off the aggression that you need. But for the most part, given that you know it wasn't quite our full team either, very impressive performance. And as you say, particularly what. Fulham let go in terms of chances. Uh, it was only down to a tear in Kenny's Tete's boot, really. 
Literally, I think if it wasn't for the that's air, I think it would have been quite a comfortable win in the end. Um, Jack, I saw you saying in uh, the Fulhamish group chat that you were you were stunned by the first um, half hour about how good we looked. Yeah, I, I mean, I really enjoyed how aggressive we were in the press. Now, this isn't necessarily new. Obviously, we started last season this way, but I think what we saw in the first two games of this season had me incredibly worried. And obviously, this is the first time I'm speaking to you since the Arsenal game. But... I think a lot of us had this week penned down as a right that week off, you know, Arsenal away, Tottenham in the cup, City away. This could be an absolute stinker. Let's just 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 get through this week and we'll deal with the rest of it later. And yet here we are sitting ahead of the City game, I'm sure we'll come on to, talking about knocking Tottenham out of the cup and getting a point away at the Emirates. It's feels like a very different place from a week ago, all of a sudden. And that kind of vibe around the team, what I really liked yesterday was just that energy and that intensity. In the first 35 minutes or so, I don't think Spurs could get near us. Now, it wasn't that Fulham had created loads and loads of chances, and I still think that there is creative holes in things that we need to pick up in this window just to make sure that we're able to take advantage of these situations. But the fact that, yes, it was a Spurs team, rotated, but... Fulham didn't let them get into their stride at all. There was no ability from Spurs to, to play out of the back in the way that we know Ange Postacoglu wants. And it was all due to the fact that Fulham were able to lead the line. And I do wonder, and I, I don't want to, this to become a bad-mouthing Mitrovic thing because it doesn't. it's not that. But I do wonder if Fulham players have a... I'll do that, mate. You can do that. That's all you. That's <laughs> fine. You can have that bit. But like, I wonder if there's just been a kind of cloud lifted off it in the, not necessarily that, they didn't. They wanted Mitrovic to go, but in fact, that there was so much willy won't he around it that it's kind of like, okay, it's done now, it's finished, and we know where we are building going forwards. And it just felt like I think in both the games that we've seen this week that Fulham are playing with the shackles off a little bit in that regard. That they're not like, okay, we've got to wait for Mitrovic to get back in this team and then we'll be right again. It's like this is what we are now. This is what we've got. If their additions come in, fine, but we are settled and we are back in our stride. And I thought Mooney's worked incredibly hard. There are still definitely parts of his game that I think he needs to improve, obviously. And I'm not completely convinced that Fulham are going to utilise Rodrigo Mooney's throughout this season. But his work rate was incredible. His pressing, I thought, was really impressive. And it's something we've never really seen from Mitrovic. It allowed Tom Kearney to, to play a slightly different role in the 10 to what Andreas Pereira did with Mitro last season. And all of that combined, I just thought Fulham felt very in control for quite a lot of that first half. Yeah, I mean, it really was just, I, I just was so pleasantly surprised. I don't know, I kind of thought last night, I maybe just thought like, Archie Spurs were going to be a bit more up for it. I'm, I'm kind of shocked that they made nine changes. And look, there are plenty of Spurs podcasts out there that will give you the analysis. But <laughs> you've got no Europe. You need to win a competition. Ange Postacoglu's gone in there and says about how like the cups are so important to him. And then he makes nine changes and a really limp performance. I was just surprised that... And look, a lot of it was down to how well Fulham played. But at the same time, like... I was, I, I don't know. I just, I just expected a, a harder evening. Was that, come on, you can be honest. Was it because of all the hype that's been going around with Angeball as well? Hey, don't, that, don't. That, You're going to find that, a distorched defender of Angeball Stogoglu in here. That, that, that must have, that must have played a role. You know, when Robbie Williams is singing the song. That was it really like, for me. I, I saw Robbie singing and I was sold that they were winning the league. That was like, look, I watched that video once and I was like, oh, this is fun. 
And then look, it's it's more down to social media that then I've seen it eight times then within two hours that I'm like, okay, I'm I'm officially done with this. Like, <laughs> may they lose every game in the rest of the season. Like yeah. the the mood shifts. Yeah. I really like him as well, Jack. You don't have to worry about that. But just the amount of hype, and it's August. I'm like, oh please, do not get rolled over by this Fulham. Please do not get rolled over because I just you could hear it in the way the Spurs fans were in the first half an hour. They were so loud. One of the loudest I can remember just coming through the TV, at least, because that's sadly how I have to take in games these days when it comes to Fulham. The fact is, I was like, wow, Spurs loud. And then weren't they quiet? Weren't they quiet <laughs> after Fulham scored? And I think it shows you just how quickly that confidence from the fans that was sapped as well. And like just how much I think they've been in a daydream of, wow, what have we been seeing? And then when you look at a little bit more closely at starting lineup, and I think they made nine changes in total from the team that won at Bournemouth. Mm. I, you see that actually it's a, from a Spurs point of view, it's a gamble that has kind of backfired. Postacoglu said he wanted to see the rest of his squad, but it just shows you the gulf between his first team and his second team and creates a bit of a rift in terms of belief from the fans. We're like, well, what are we going to get here then um, every time a sub's coming in? So, yeah, I was, I was also surprised. I thought they would come at it with a bit more gusto. Uh, but, yeah, it weren't flawless either, by the way. There were a few points I would, I would pick out. I, I was a bit disappointed by Adama in the first half. I, I thought the whole point of him is acceleration, and he just slowed the game down needlessly a few times. I was like, <laughs> you don't have to do this. Go. <laughs> uh, I thought Zhao took a couple of unusual risks. At times, those passes through the center of the park. He did it like three times. Yeah. Like, you sure there, mate? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was, I was a little bit like, not, not, not there, Xiao. <laughs> not there, mate. Um, but yeah, on the whole, I think, I think you got to say, I really well done to Fulham. And and Jack, as someone who attended last season's second round Carabao Cup game against Crawley, <laughs> um, I mean, it couldn't be more polar opposite. I mean, Marco took it really seriously and um, we kind of had a feeling that the first team might play because a lot of the under 21s played on Monday which obviously would have would have ruled them out but I don't know I'm, I'm I was I was quite surprised to see yeah players like Polina play Robinson Tete you know there was a couple of expected changes people like uh, hit Marek Rodak obviously hero of the hour in the end um I was just trying to work out is this Marco gunning for the cup is it maybe thinking that Man City on Saturday is a bit of a lost cause? Or was it just that if he'd have put the youngsters out against Spurs, it could have been a morale-sapping embarrassment that uh, no one needed right now? Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably a little bit of all of those things, if, I, if I'm honest. But but more than that, I think that when you look at what he's trying to do here, which is re-glue a squad back together that's had maybe one of his worst weekends in his entire tenure just two weeks ago, pretty much, from when we were recording this, is, you know, it's trying to build something back up. And I think that, you know, obviously Polina missed the first couple of days of the season. He's working his way back up to full match fitness. I think that Fulham haven't, are about to go into an international break after the Manchester City game. There's no huge reason to rotate. And also, it's not like he's looking at 
some of these players on the bench are going, hmm, what am I doing? And I thought that was interesting for Postacoglu. He was like, well, when do you want me to see the rest of my squad if you don't want me to do it now? Like, well, well, what point would you like me to to actually take a look at the squad and see who's good to keep and, go, and who I need to get out of the club before deadline day if you're not going to let me have an opportunity to to play them in a competitive environment. So I can understand that from, from that perspective. Um, but I think in terms of what Marco's doing, he's trying to build a squad back up. We're not trying to cut the deadwood. We're not trying to trim the edges in a way that maybe a Spurs are. What Fulham are trying to do is actually add to the core going forward towards the end of this window. So I think he's pretty happy with the basic structure of, of what things have. And he now is like, right, we need four or five more parts. The fact that at one point when Polina was off the pitch briefly in, in the second half, the midfield was little Luke Harris and Tyrese Francois. And I was like, oh God, we might get run through a little bit here physically. Um, I'm sure that there's a point to be made there. I think that generally though, he was just like, okay, we can progress in this competition. We need some of these players to get more minutes into the tank. There's not that much depth right now. I think he's probably making all of those points at once. Archie, we've got to come on to this mad moment with Kenny Tete. Um, <laughs> Kenny Tete yeah. made a challenge, and I'm not 100% <laughs> sure who he challenged in the box as he, as he went through. And I was at that end. So I sat, yes, normally I sit in the, river, in the Hammersmith, sorry. But I sat in the Riverside yesterday at the uh, the Putney end. Less said about nice the Nice padded app. seats, was it? Oh, well, I took Mrs. James and she was delighted with the padded seat. She was like, wow, this is living. The, an- the anniversary game, as we call it every year. It's always the, it's always the first Carabao <laughs> Cup game, the anniversary game. <laughs> Thank God Sammy didn't take Caroline to, to Crawley last year. It would, have, it would have been the end of everything, yeah. <laughs> no, she came to her one game a year yeah, last night. Yes, she loved the padded seat. Anyway, what I was going to come on to say <laughs> is I had a great view of the boot incident. Mm. Um, so the boot came off and I was just a bit like, Kenny, dude, put your boot back on. But obviously there was more of a problem. And then Kenny, like, weirdly for such an unflappable fullback, was really flapping about this boot situation. Bobby Decadover Reed, at one point he was kind of going towards the dugout. And Bobby was like, mate, if you want your boot, it's in the dressing room. Don't go to the dugout. Your boot's not there. But then seemingly no one from, like, the Fulham, like team was able to sort this out quicker than Kenny. So off he disappeared down the tunnel. And um, in this two minutes, Archie, um, Bobby got slightly turned inside out and, uh, and Richarlison scored. It was just the weirdest set of events. And at the time I was pretty annoyed by it. If Spurs had gone on to win, I'd have been a bit more fuming about the whole thing. Because I'm really cool. I went back and timed from the moment that Kenny Tete went off the pitch to when the goal went in and it was 59 seconds, which is, you know, top star. My instinct when I saw it was to be very annoyed. Um, I was like, you've got to be kidding me that this has happened to us. (laughs) Tom, who was sitting next to me, my friend, German Tom, big Fulham fan, uh, said, isn't this Fulhamish? And I was like, Tom, not now. I I don't need to hear this now. (laughs) Uh, So, in, in my rage, I decided to get in contact with someone who has experience of working at Premier League clubs. And I was like, come on, I, you know, whose fault is that? You know, I, I, I want a head. Um, I need someone to blame really badly. And he's like, it, it is kind of unfortunate. I was like, that's not what I wanted to hear. <laughs> um, so look, the, the, the reality is the kit man cannot really keep 16 pairs of spare boots <laughs> on the bench. 
And I've heard Marco be like, oh, it will be different next time. Like in perhaps the most passive aggressive Marco Silva I've ever heard in a press conference. Like he said about four times, it will be different. I was like, I don't want, I don't want to be the person who's on the end of that, like, you know, but behind the scenes. But it is unfortunate. The one criticism I would say is one of our kit men, I would have probably preferred to see them doing the sprinting around the pitch instead of Kenny Tete doing that. Because, uh, I mean, maybe I'm thinking a little bit too much from, you know, our point of view here of, you know, if we're having to run off and get a boot from a changing room at some point, that's valuable energy that you're losing during five aside. So what is it for Kenny Tete, who is being run at by all kinds of very good forwards <laughs> and that he's wasting a hundred meters at least of kind of scrambling around, where's my boot, where's my boot? And probably the roar he hears when the ball goes in as well. So look, in conclusion, annoying, unfortunate, but it happened. Yeah, it, it's and just one of those, isn't it? It's like, it, it's just, it happened is the key. But sometimes obviously players bring a spare pair of boots out with them if they think they're going to have to change for the conditions. Or, But like, mm. there wasn't any yeah. of that. It wasn't like Kenny came back out with a new pair of boots that were completely different and had different studs on. He just put the same boot on and came back out again. So it, it is one of those, isn't it? The only thing I would say, and I wonder about this, is if I was a Fulham player at that point, I might have just been like, I've got cramp. I might have just <laughs> laid down on the floor and yes. said I had cramp in order that Great Kenny point. Tete could have gone and come back before the game restarted. And I wonder if that's just a tad of naivety. Maybe it's on all of us as fans. We should have got a streaker on the pitch, got the security guards <laughs> running around. It could have been on all of us, really, to do something in that moment to protect the team. Mm, yeah. yeah, no, fair. I, I, I just missed that element of shithousery. Like, I think we need to ask ourselves more often, what would Steph Joe have done? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what would he have done? He, he would have had the ice cold thought of being like, right, okay. He, he would have seen it from the moment that Kenny's boot came off. He's like, right, okay, we've got to do something here. You know, just maybe like tap the referee on one shoulder and he looks around the wrong way because even that's a second gone. Like some, some sort of ploy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, the, the, the narrative coming full circle that he then scores with his new boot in the shootout. Fantastic. Was, you love to see it. You love to see it. Oh, it, it, it was, lovely. it was wonderful. And one of those kind of all time weird Fulham things to happen. <laughs> I mean, my kind of like overall solution to this was like, put your boot back on and ask someone else to get it. You, Kenny Tete with like half a boot ripped off is more useful to us than no Kenny Tete. I would have thought like there's so many yeah. solutions. You to could this, just see anyway. Spurs straight away. Like get a ball down that left-hand flank, get the ball down that left-hand flank. Oh God. <laughs> like it's all gone. It's all gone wrong. There was, um, so I was, I was chatting away to my friend Louis next to me and he was like, Polina would have just played barefoot. And I was like, nah, it's a fair <laughs> point. It's a fair point. Well made. <laughs> I think uh, if you take Polina's boot off, there's actually just a club there <laughs> instead. Instead, like I just imagine that he's got absolute, you know, like, you know, that kind of um, that Monty Python big foot. Like, I reckon that's what's like underneath Gio Polina's boots. Like, just that, can, that can only like what, all those tackles that he makes. He's gone through a season, touch wood, touch wood without sustaining a real serious injury to his foot. Oh, God, that's such a dangerous thing. I to can't say. believe you said I'm really sorry. Um, but the point is, it's made of something very solid. 
Yeah, it's a shame his shoulders aren't made of the same stuff. But uh, yeah, his feet definitely are made of some sort of titanium, which is uh, which is handy. Um, I mean, it was an end-to-end game. It was really entertaining. Like the last half an hour was uh, honestly either side. I think I think Fulham were better, Jack. Yeah. But I think either side could have won it. Penalty shootout and look. Fulham famously don't do penalties unless you put them in a shootout and it's five out of five. Absolute golden technique. Um, I love I how Harry Wilson team. just didn't get the memo. Like everybody else, <laughs> everybody else, calm, collected, composed, pass it home, send the keeper the wrong way. And I was talking away and I said, there's no way that Harry Wilson is going to, is going to pass this in. I was like, this is going, he's going to aim for the top corner. Now how that ends, I don't know, but he is 100% aiming for the top corner. I think it might be the best penalty I've ever seen, but mm. it was about a millimetre away from being really stupid. <laughs> so, you know, these are the things that we, we kind of work with. But generally, I, I think that I goes so in impressed. off the goalkeeper. No, I don't think it no. does. I think, I think it comes in off the bat. I, I think, think you slow bar. that down. I think it goes off the bar and hits Fra- the back of Fraser Forster, goes back off Fraser Forster and then back into the top corner. Nah, it's big Ken energy. Anyway, I liked it. Enjoyed it. Can it we stressful. Um, can, we take, can we take 30 seconds to VAR this, Sammy? You're more than welcome to, yes. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm intrigued now because I was like, it, it, the ball just rattled about so satisfyingly. No, Harry, it definitely doesn't come off the keeper. I've just watched it again, 100%. Are you it, joking? It, of course it does. <laughs> I've just watched it again. It goes off the bar, then it, hit, it hits Fraser Forster's left foot, <laughs> and then it goes back against the post. I'm telling you, it hits Fraser but Forster. Fraser Forster's left foot is well behind the goal line. Okay, okay, so on the first watch through, I can see what Sammy's saying, but let me check. I think it's... Oh, no, come on. Are you saying it's hit his leg, Sammy? Yeah. Hits the bar, then hits Fraser Forster, and then it hits the post and goes in. Now I see it. The ball doesn't come down all the way. I've got it. I've, I've literally already got it. I've got the exact screenshot of it coming off the bar. It comes off the bar on the underside of the angle. He hits the back of the goal, comes out, Hits Fraser Forster and goes and goes back in. I guarantee you, it goes straight in. It doesn't touch Fraser <laughs> Forster. Um, I, I'd put my I'd, having watched this clip. I would put my mortgage on it. Okay, I maybe can see where I. I, okay, I can see how it looks. I can see how it looks like that. But I think you are right. For God's sake. <laughs> That's like a magic trick. Justice for Harry Wilson. That's what I'm saying. Justice. <laughs> he's a he's Kenoff. He's Ken off. He's Ken off. And he's great at doing stuff. He is. Especially oh. if doing stuff <laughs> is scoring the best penalty I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> oh, okay. 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 I'll get I'll relate. Also, I mean, it's a relative question in terms of like who steps up to take pens now, because I wonder if Andreas taking first is a little symbol of intent there. Mm. Well, he, he scored the one away at Manchester City last year, didn't he? Yeah. Good yeah. penalty. William wasn't on the pitch. He's a good penalty taker too. Yeah. So I, I would I would say, if I was looking at it from the other perspective, Fraser Forster did dive the wrong way four times. He did do that. I was kind of like... And the same way four times is, as well. <laughs> right. I was like... They're not going to go to my left how? again, are they? Oh, damn it, they did. <laughs> there was a point where when Kenny Tete struck the winning penalty... I, I celebrated, but I also laughed because I was like, oh, come on. How did it? I, I would have gone that way by this point. Because you've got to uh, be like, they're, they're taking the mick out of me. They're taking the mick out of me. 
Um, we should just say a big well done to Marek Rodak. Yeah, great he save. Oh, yeah. Got the all, all important save from Davinson Sanchez and Archie. I think genuinely looked good during the game. Pulled out a few big saves. The save mm. from uh, Solomon's shot uh, was a good save too. Um, do, you, do you reckon he saves that if Manuel Solomon's not spent the last six months at full? <laughs> Maybe not. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was like, as soon as he cut back, I think he was already starting to die. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, he knew exactly. I know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, big, well done to Big Marek. It looks like he might be going out on loan by the end of the week. So um, a nice memory for, her, uh, for him to leave with us uh, before maybe coming back and ch- challenging for the spot next season. It's tough for Marek, isn't it? Because when you've got someone like Bern Leno, um, it's hard to see a way ever in for him into the team, barring injury. Yeah. Like it, it was a necessary upgrade um, that the club made as much as I was, I would say probably like, like many other fans quite enamored with him because of his keeping in uh, our championship seasons. Uh, but there is just this level of world class that Bernd Leno has. And Marek Rodak is a very good goalkeeper yeah. uh, and and can be that for, for someone else and is still probably one of the best goalkeepers I've seen at Fulham. Um, there, there was that horrific spell after we got relegated where oh. there, there was some... Yeah, it was, it was, the, it was not, the worst so as far as I'm players. concerned. The worst. Like, I, I remember stressing every week about who was in goal. And I'm really nice. It's really right. nice not to do that. I also think, you know, Rodak's five years younger than Bern Leno. There is still, and mm. he's, he's 26 years old, which um, it, for any other position, you'd be like, okay, they're probably coming slightly into their prime now. But I think it actually is obviously a little bit later for goalkeepers. I'd like him to, you know, have a good championship loan. And and see at some point, it might not be next year, but again, I think there's going to be interest in Leno next year. If he can come back in and make that spot his own, because he, he hasn't dropped off, I don't think, at all. And there's still quite a lot of, of, of talent in there. He's obviously moving into the ranks in the Slovakia mm. national team as well. So, you know, I like him. Might also push have pushed his level a bit when you're training with Bernd Leno every day. Yeah. Like when, you know, you can up your game that that certain level and i did actually think that his presence was a bit better than i remember it being i i sometimes yeah. just remembered him kind of cowering a little bit in goal and not being quite as assertive and last night there were times where i, was, I kind of forgot oh wait it's 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 my road i can go mm. uh i i thought you know excellent and to be honest the goal we conceded was a very small point defensively but it reminded me a lot of the one of the chances that uh we gave away to arsenal at the weekend where it was kind of a back post cross where anthony robertson gets overloaded and it's not really his fault mm. um i'm mean, sure we're down to 10 men um and yeah the, he, the bigger point being you can't really put anything on the goalkeeper there um so yeah like um he uh <laughs> but usually when clubs say you know we we send them off with our best wishes it sounds kind of like you don't really, though, do you? <laughs> uh, but but honestly, I I think he would always get a very good reception. All right, well, we'll take a break there. Afterwards, we'll briefly look at City and talk all things transfers ahead of Friday's deadline. This season, we're pleased to announce that the Thursday Club is sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Green King Sport venues are showing every single televised Fulham fixture over the 23-24 season. 
And with more than 900 sports pubs across the UK, it doesn't matter whether you're based in Fulham or Falmouth, you can catch every single minute of the action. Keep an eye out during the season for events, offers, content and competitions that put you closer to the action. Now, Fulham might not be on the TV for the first few games of the season, but if you're not at Craven Cottage for the first few weeks, make sure you catch the rest of the Premier League action on TNT and Sky Sports at your local Green King Sports Pub. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast. It is Sammy here with Jack Collins and Archie Rind Tut. Uh, we've been discussing in the break about how uh, that's how conspiracy theories start. Um, uh, me saying that it hit Fraser Forster when it definitely hit the back of the stanchion. I'm sorry to Harry Wilson. I do apologize. Yeah. I've now seen the conclusive angle that Jack sent me. And um, yeah, I, I basically am. One of those people. I'm like Joe Rogan of Fulham, just just spreading lies. I reckon on the next podcast, you're already going to have a t-shirt, which is being like, I still really believe that it hit Fraser Force. <laughs> I've got to, I've got to buy it once. There's justice for Harry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching a TV program at the moment called Manifest, where there's the believers and the non-believers, and uh, yeah, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll start a little tribe of my own where uh, where we actually. <laughs> Don't believe that uh, it went in. It went in off Fraser Forster. Uh, anyway, let's look ahead to Man City briefly, because to be honest, what is there to say about this game, uh, Jack, other than Man City are good, Fulham aren't bad, but we are not as good as Man City. I don't know. I'm not expecting anything here. Um, anything, anything, anything at all, even just like not getting a drubbing is a bonus. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't expecting anything from Arsenal, so here we go, right? It, it is interesting. Yeah. I think, as we said, we could have been sitting here talking about a loss to Arsenal, an exit from Spurs in the Cup, and hanging, still, there's still the Mitrovic and ben, Brentford things hanging over us. It doesn't feel like that. And that's got to be a positive in itself, right? That we're, we're now talking about this and going, okay, you know, what happens? We went to the Etihad and we gave City a real scare last year. Obviously, they only won with that controversial late penalty. Um, but generally, I, I thought that Fulham played and I was talking to Stephen McInerney earlier on, on his channel about, about City and Fulham and not many teams go to the Etihad and get anything, right? Whether you are Fulham, whether you are Arsenal, whether you are Liverpool, whoever, it's very difficult to go to the home of the treble winners and get results. But I have faith that this Fulham side will get into a battle with anybody. And that's something that we've, you know, come to love and respect about this side. And that's, I think, why I was so worried about the first two performances this season, because it felt that those battling qualities that we'd seen across the course of last year were lacking a little bit. Now, whether that's just Polina being absent or not is, is maybe a point. But I think that now we're looking at this from a slightly different light. We'll have had deadline day finished. You'd imagine there will be a few more names through the door, even if they aren't eligible to play on Saturday. But, you know, you go there and, and again, we know that we can give them a game. We know that we can give anybody a game. I don't think anyone's going to be coming out of it going, well, I expected three points today and I'm incredibly disappointed that we haven't got them. But weirder things have happened in football than Fulham being Manchester City. They started the season well, but not explosively, I think. Um, mm. And a couple of the results have been pretty battling. They, they scored a late winner to beat Sheffield United last week. They were good against Newcastle, but... You know, it wasn't that they went and absolutely hammered them. They got a little bit of a scare from Burnley at 1-0 up, I thought. Um, who Burnley were, were very impressive at, in spells in that game. So I think that City have definitely not hit their full stride yet. Obviously, De Bruyne is injured. There are question marks over 
fitness of, of a couple of others. I, I still think it's going to be incredibly difficult for Fulham to go and get anything. But, you know, I think that just going in and putting a performance and, and battling away is, is something that we can, we can take heart from. And actually, our trips to the Etihad haven't been all that bad in recent years. You know, it hasn't been somewhere that we've we've gone and been completely hammered. I mean, obviously, there was the Tim Ream red card in the in the season, the Carabao Cup, but that w- we were a championship side. But generally, I think we've given a relatively good account of ourselves there. Haven't we lost all the games? Though? Oh, yeah, no, don't get me wrong. We've lost all the games. But we haven't we I haven't come away being, like, absolutely crucified. Like, it's been like, okay, no, City, sure. are, City are really good, man. They've won four of the last five Premier Leagues. They're current it's... treble winners and European champions. Like, I think that yeah, yeah, going yeah. to the Etihad and, and putting in a, a brave <laughs> performance and, and, and not getting drubbed is a pretty big thing because they, can, they do have that capacity. No, I guess when you look at it in uh, in isolation, uh, it's uh, at the Etihad. It's a two in the Premier League. It's a two one loss, a two nil loss, a three nil loss, a five nil loss, a two nil loss, a three nil loss, a <laughs> one draw, three nil and the five nil. Uh, February uh, two thousand eleven. I was at that game. <laughs> That's how long ago it was. I used my uni. Um, a uh, student loan to go to that game. Which one? The five <laughs> on nil? a Sunday. The one one. The one oh. one when Damien Duff scored. It was, yeah. it was a lovely day out. Um, I, I was there, I was there back in uh, two thousand and six from when uh, I think it was Steed and Collins John uh, scored two only very away late goals season, wasn't and it? The, the first away win of that season. Yeah, yeah. in the final away game. Oh. Yeah, it was when, uh, magic times. Very different Manchester yeah. City, admittedly. Yeah, you you make a fair point. Um, yeah, as I I think I think Jack's laid out the case pretty well there. Uh, I my requests for this game would be as follows: um, Don't give me hope. Like that Arsenal game nearly killed me at the weekend. Like I was so for background, I was watching. I was watching. I was working uh, uh, for ESPN at. Borussia Dortmund's away game at Borkham, which is a, a local derby. Borkham are kind of a similar club to Fulham. Like it's a tightly packed stadium, you know, before they tore down the Riverside. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's quite a bit louder. Uh, but, you know, they are the, the neighbours who are used to having their hair ruffled by uh, their, their bigger and more successful giants of neighbours, whether it's Schalke or Dortmund in this case. And I, I checked the score. I don't know why, uh, like one minute in and saw we were one and a half. I was like, oh, why have we scored so early? <laughs> I, I, I just didn't, I couldn't even cheer. I was like, oh, great. Like, so, so now they're going to come back and score two. And sure enough, when I started doing the interviews, oh, great, they've scored two. Yeah, great. You know, I th- threw my phone away and I, actually I was checking, I've got a tab of my tweets where, which is just like Fulham people uh, and like Peter Rutzler's just kind of tweets are just kind of going, and then like red card. Okay, well, we're done here. Like, and you know, I was, I thought I was reliving the Man City game last season as well. Cause it was, it was a kind of a similar thing. Like no hope, no hope. Oh, actually hope. What, what's going on here? Um, so yeah, I, I, I collapsed to the floor when I saw we had nine minutes added time as well. Um, <laughs> but look, uh, I, I don't want that experience this time. Um, I've, I've dragged that out a bit. Adama Traore, can you, can, can we just kind of leave him up and long, go long? We sit, 
and we and we go long to him. So really, that, if, that that's a really, my very it's basic a really plan. good recipe for uh, us having five chances on the break and losing two 0 <laughs> Sure, <laughs> well, sure. But there's the ten percent chance, Jack. There's the ten percent chance that it might work. I think if we try and take them on like Brighton do or something, I, we're not quite there. Um, Kenny Tete, please look. Love you, man. You know what what you've done recently, but. The Arsenal game gave me a little bit of heebie-jeebies when I watched back what happened there with the penalty. Yeah. Um, and against Spurs as well, there's one or two times where he does a really good action and then he just gets a little bit too confident and you're like, no, 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 no. The, the ball going away is fine, Kenny. That's, that, that's not a problem. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and also the fact, Jack, that you, you say, yes, they've been perfect so far, but that kind of makes me think, so there's greater room for them to stumble. If they'd stumbled last week, I'd be a lot more worried for this. But the fact that they haven't stumbled yet makes me think, maybe? I mean, always, I think, with all these games, playing them at the start is, is the time that you want to play Man City because the time that when it gets really dangerous is kind mm. of like the March, February. April, they're yeah. on a charge. And, and look, <laughs> yeah. We, so just the way you said February. <laughs> Flipping eight February. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, look, I think we know that it's a challenge, but also we proved last year and also the home game as well, that that game could have ended in a draw. Maybe if decisions had gone slightly more our way, Bobby Decadover got shoved off the ball, didn't he? And Carlos Vinicius had a couple of really good chances. I just remember Gentleman Jim's commentary yeah. when I think Bobby got shoved off the ball. He, 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 he went into full gym rage mode, um, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Um, it yeah. doesn't take much, to be fair. <laughs> it's unpredictable, but, but that's the game I like to play. It's <laughs> kind of, sometimes when we score a goal, I'm like, oh, he'll go for it. Oh, he didn't go for it. And then it'll be a goal where you don't expect it and he goes for it. Um, I often yeah. think with Jim, it's whether he's home or away. I think when he's away and he's surrounded by the press box, I think he starts, <laughs> tends to uh, keep it a bit more together. But when he's on the Craven Cottage bal- balcony with his with his pal, Jamie and Sean, he can just do it's what he wants. It's a happy place, isn't it? Absolutely mental. Oh, no, but it, it, it's the siege mentality that sometimes sets in for him at like an away game, yeah. like, like the Cardiff away <laughs> game. When, <laughs> I forget which one of our players nearly got killed, effectively. <laughs> Uh, and just that back and forth. It was Cavalera, like, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, up yours as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's the, like, oh, um, yeah, I, I won't have a bad word against Jim. Uh, great, um, good old Jim, love Jim. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's come on to um, transfers. And, uh, I mean, Archie, great to have you at any time, but uh, feels like there's a couple of transfers that have very much entered your wheelhouse uh, in the, uh, in the past kind of 48 hours. Um, we should start mm-hmm. off with Timothy Castagna, Jack. He is joined from Leicester, yeah. 15 million pounds. Mm-hmm. Versatile fullback was Leicester's most uh, minuted player. I don't think that's a word, but anyway, uh, last season and he can play on the left and he can play on the right. I think this finally solves Marco's full back depth problem. Yeah, definitely. And especially with Calvin Bassey being able to play left back as well. Um, I prefer Castagna on the right-hand side of a, of a back four. I think that when he's playing wing back, he's a little bit more versatile in terms of what he wants. And obviously we saw that at Atalanta, but I think that this is good cover and competition for Kenny. And it also allows him to, you know, have the occasional rest. I don't think that there's, 
you know, we, we saw such a drop off last season when other right backs entered the fray, you know, whether that be Kevin Mbappé or Cedric Suarez. I think that you look at those two players and think, okay, Kenny Tete is streets ahead of both. I mean, he's streets ahead of most people. So it's not a massive, you know, that's not a massive insult. But I think that in Castagna, he has genuine competition and someone who who will be looking to make this their own. I don't think that Castagna has made a £15 million Premier League move because he thinks he's very content to sit on the bench. Um, equally, it gives Fulham options and, and allows us to, to flip shape a little bit as well. So I, I like that. And I think that's a, a smart move. Feels like the kind of player that Marco's been after. As he said, you know, one of his targets from early in the window. And it feels like, finally that's one through the door and it just should ease some of those worries about fullback because I was starting to stress a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Archie, are you a fan of uh, Castagna? For his Swiss army knife qualities. Yes. That is very important to the depth of the squad and every squad needs players like him in it. They are vital components. So. Uh, not not seen a huge amount of him at Leicester. Looking forward to to seeing what he can do. But yeah, it's a it's a it's an important one. Um, so Archie, let's let's enter your wheelhouse now. And um, first of Welcome. all, um, Bayern Munich. Um, this has just come out in the Standard today. Set to launch Zhao Polina bid as Fulham face fresh transfer threat. Uh, Excuse me. I was I, I was mentally prepared for Mitrovic to leave. I am not mentally prepared for Jao Polini to leave. If if you if you want to buy Polini, you might as well like just take the whole club with you. Uh, you know, <laughs> just buy Fulham. Uh, if he's not in the side uh, come September, then I suddenly think we're in a different kind of battle this season. Oh, he he is everything. He is everything. If you look at the market rate for central midfielders right now um, or, or, or holding midfielders particularly and Bayern really need one mm. I, Thomas Tuchel oh, some, some actual background um, Bayern really need a, a holding midfielder uh, according to Thomas Tuchel they're not happy with the options they've got with Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka um, and Conrad Leimer uh, who they've just brought in uh, for him they're all too similar a profile like don't tell them this but Zhao would be like so perfect for them. Yeah. He, he fits that hole, but that's exactly why they need to pay a hundred million for him next summer. Um, but not now. Um, so the Fulham can get their act together uh, and before thinking about that prospect. Uh, but yeah, like it, it's being reported. Like the, the, the interest is there. Like it's not just in the standard. It's also in, um, in, in Germany from, there are a couple of buying sources where, I I know I know that that is, that that is very well informed. Um, so yeah, uh, I believe it. But I think it's the sort of thing where it's like Bayern have said we're interested, and they've not quite you know gone round to the back of the coat yet to look at the price tag, and then they're going to look at that and be like, we'll we'll put that back on the rack then. Yeah, I, I mean, look, the the deals being talked about for Bayern were what Trevor Chalaba, Scott McTominay on loan. These are the mm. options being looked at. And and then to, to kind of shift from that to drop what you'd probably need for Polina, I, I'm going to say that if Bayern put £70 million on the table, Fulham would have to look at it and have to look at what Polina wanted as well uh, at that kind of price point. But I think that it would probably take more than that. And considering the rest of the deals being thrown around here are 
freeze, loans, those kind of discussions, I'd be very, mm. very surprised if they suddenly were like, yeah, no worries, we'll drop £80 million pounds on, on Jorabellini. <laughs> it doesn't feel like the Bayern right move. Munich. Bayern Munich, as, as you saw through the Harry Kane negotiations, like to say that, oh, you know, it, it's, it's tough for us to spend money. They have money. They have lots and lots of money. It's just that they don't, like they don't give it all out in a in a way akin to Chelsea. Uh, you know, it's it's they are they are smarter than that. Even though they're actually not going through their smartest period recently with, with, with their transfers, anyway. Um, I don't include Harry Kane in that, but uh, yeah, this is this is a club where you know the money's there, and particularly now that they've laid down a hundred million, I think that that says to buyers, well, okay, you've shown that you do have the money for the quality of player. And this person would be worth this much to you. So actually, yeah, I think that the further up you go, then the more you actually say, oh, well, you do have this caliber. You've shown it. So Fulham would have a, Fulham have a very good negotiation position, given how many years Palinia has left on his contract as well, given how much he loves Fulham as well. Um, up the cottages. <laughs> uh, and then the other um, German link that uh, is doing the rounds Ooh. again. I've found this in the standards. Not heard this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, go on. Well, you've definitely heard of him, Nicholas Vorkrug. Ah, oh. uh, yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. Um, I remember Vorkrug in the one. World Cup yeah. um, sure, sure. And, and the story about how he basically hadn't played for Germany and then he got selected to play in Qatar, which obviously went famously mm. well. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's 30 years old, doesn't quite feel like the age profile we'd have wanted as a striker, but there's no denying his quality as far as I know. Yeah, he's he's very good when it comes to holding up the ball aerially, powerful. Uh, and yeah, just, just all round good at link up play, uh, and, and not a bad finisher either. The thing that would concern me is his injury record, mm. uh, that he has, a, he finished top scoring the Bundesliga last season, despite the fact that he missed quite a few games in the end. Um, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm wary of, of somebody who, who is that age. I think he's he's certainly got the quality. May take him, you know, a month, a few months to adapt as well. Uh, I don't think his English is is all that great, but you know, people people manage. And yeah, I it's an important season for him. It's a very important season that he is first choice playing at a club because the Euros being in Germany next summer, and he needs to be Germany's number one striker. So. If he is staying at Werder Bremen, he'll be that. Um, but I would imagine that Werder Bremen will try and get probably in the region of 15, 20 million euros. I don't know what the what the sum being touted is that you've seen, Sammy. 15, but- 15 million pounds. So huh? you're pretty, pretty spawn. <laughs> <laughs> I, that, 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 that feels in the right direction. He's not got too long left on his contract either, um, if memory serves. So, yeah. I, I'd be, I'd, I'd be happy, and I'd, it'd be fun to see how that might work out. But there's also the question mark in my head where it's like, you know, there was an injury last year that he had, where their their physios kept trying to to bring him back, but in training, but every time they tried, it was too soon, and they couldn't quite isolate what the problem was. And with somebody who has that injury history, it's it's a little bit of a worry given. 
Fulham's past with number nines and injuries sometimes, Matroglu, that uh, we'd be making that kind of call. So, so long as he passes the famous Fulham medical, okay. I just yeah, it sounds familiar. I just think that if you're going to spend that kind of money on a thirty-year-old number nine, I would be going straight to Porto and buying Mediterrami. Right, that that would be my my move there. I think he's more more robust than Fulkrug. I, I think he's more mobile. I quite like Nicholas Fulkrug, but I also think that he feels like one of those players where like his power is rooted in the fact that he's at Werder Bremen. Like obviously came through there and went away on loan a bit and then came back and made such an impact. It, it, a lot of it feels like he's the person at the club that is, you know, it, it revolves around him and that's kind of a special relationship. And I don't know if you get that elsewhere. Um, so I, I'd be wary of it. I, I think he's a good player. And if Fulham brought him in, I'd trust, uh, trust Marcus Silva to work the system around him to get the best out of it. But it's not the move I'd make if I was trying to sign a 30-year-old striker. Um, Jack, the rumour that's been uh, going around a lot this week, uh, Lucas Acampos yeah, from uh, Sofia. I mean, this has been kind of on, off, on, off for the past couple of days. I mean, there's no denying he's a great player. Again, the age profile that we seem to be constantly linked with is, is extremely high. But but taking that away, there's no doubt that someone like a Campos would come to Fulham and do absolute bits. Yeah, I mean, apparently Fulham and Sevilla have agreed terms um, for around 12 million up front with 3 million in add-ons. But he's mulling over whether he wants to come or not. 29 years old. couple of things. Uh, one, yesterday Sky Sports decided to report on this by saying that Fulham are looking at Sevilla striker, Lucas Acampos, which is the first sort of red flag. Uh, and then secondary, they then put up a picture of Ivan Rakitic, which was the second. So <laughs> just first off, say that Fulham are not signing Ivan Rakitic. And secondly, that Lucas Campos is not a striker. Um, he is very much a, a player who can play sort of number 10 wide, maybe a second striker at a push, but I definitely don't think you'd want a Campos leading the line for you. Um, so just be aware of that when these discussions are, are kind of taking place on him. But yeah, very talented footballer. Um, definitely someone that would add quality and, and calibre to this Fulham team. I don't know if where I'd be looking at spending lots of money here is by upgrading our wing core, which I feel is one of the stronger elements of this squad. But I think that a campus would still be an upgrade. It's just a question of where the, whether we're di- where we're diverting these funds to, um, in in terms of what we're picking up for the rest of rest of this season. I, I still am adamant that Fulham need a centre back, and it, it doesn't seem to be many on the radar slash linked slash spoken about, and that mm. scares me a bit. Especially as the one person I have seen linked was Malang Sar, and I really have no interest in in signing Malang Sar until he's done some more things to actually prove himself um he has just sort of sat around at Chelsea for three years so yeah I, I mean I think Acampos would be a good addition I, I like him as a player I think he's really the kind of player that can make things happen a spark player that can sort of turn things on their head on his own but he's very much not number nine so let's just all be aware of of that before yeah. any of the the further discussions take place and he definitely <laughs> isn't Ivan Rakitic no no that too <laughs> I, yeah, the general transfer policy, you can tell that our sporting director has three jobs. I, there's no long-term planning that is going on. And 
it doesn't feel unlike with other clubs where it feels like they've got a good list of players that they would go to if if one option fails um for, for as if say that say that the horror scenario with Jaapolini would happen like you think that Brighton would just be like okay well we've got this guy that we've seen in the Swedish first division who is is going to sort out our problems uh and i just don't have the same faith in Fulham's long-term planning uh, when it when it comes to these things. It, it, I, I said this the other week. It, it feels a little bit like we're in an open relationship against our will um, with, with Tony Khan and the way that he treats us with his attention. Um, there was this interview that, what was it, um, Alistair McIntosh gave saying that how, how he's reachable at, at all times, even during NFL games. I'm like, oh, you know what's even more amazing? When you get like a sporting director who's focused entirely on your club, that's all he cares about. <laughs> just, just think about that prospect. But look, it's difficult because he, he's made some good signings and he has improved as he's gone on and, and, and been in the job, which I don't think many would have tipped. But it's still just frustrating because you're like, every time, every, every season with transfers, it feels like Fulham is spinning a roulette wheel. And you're just hoping that it lands in the right place. Um, and when you're, I would say, putting your manager through the mill continuously as Marco Silva is, is, being, is being treated, you, you know, you just, just see his demeanor during every press conference when he's having to talk about transfers. And it feels like he's doing that Jose Mourinho meme of, if, if I speak, I am in trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, um, it would be... It would be nice if the club could think a bit more long term. I would say that I really like that link with Pedro Guillem of Flamengo. I, I think he's a player that has the capacity to make a move. Um, and obviously there have been discussions over this for quite some time. This is not the first window we've been linked with Pedro. I think he's the kind of player that definitely could make that European step up um, from the Brazilian Serie A. So there are some links in here that I like, but I agree with you, Arch, in that I you know, it just remains a little bit too scattergun from where I'm standing that, you know, it feels like new names are, you know, leaked every day and whether that's true or not. And obviously it's a funny old time, the end of the transfer window, and it's difficult to to find things you can trust and things you can't, but it just feels like, you know, when you tend to see other clubs, they, there is this set of kind of principles, I suppose, that they go down when they're looking at a specific type of player. And you look at the, you know, the links to that Brighton have been linked with, they've obviously signed Carlos Baleba after Moises Caicedo left. But you looked at the shortlist for the players that they were going to replace him with, and it was like, right, I can understand exactly what they're doing here in terms of the profile of player. And often I look at what Fulham are doing and think, you know, there were links to Gift Orban last week and links to Nicholas Fulcrew today. Those are two completely and utterly different types of striker. They, I, it's hard to think of two strikers less similar and and that kind of thing worries me. Not that they're both not good players, but just like Fulham don't seem to have a type when they're looking at replacements. And that's usually the sign of something that's been thought about in advance. Hmm. I guess, look, what's interesting here is we don't exactly know. And, and so many of the transfers that we've actually made this summer, I think Castagna has been one of the only ones which has been kind of like long-standing. We heard about Castagna months ago and finally he's moved. Players like Adama and Raul came out of absolutely nowhere. Bassi was maybe a week. So look, 
for me, I, I wrote a, a piece on this on Monday. Um, I do a weekly column on the Fulham page on BBC Sport. I just said, look, for me, Tony likes to gamble. He likes to leave it late. Live by the sword, die by the sword. It's worked in recent windows. I think, look, we need to wait until next week before we judge and kind of look at this holistically. How has this window worked out? I think it's so hard right now. We're two days away and we have absolutely no idea which players are going to be members of our football club come Saturday. So um, it's, a, it's a fascinating time. If you want to uh, get some deadline day content, then make sure you're watching uh, the Jack and Joe show live deadline day stream, 9 p.m. till 11 p.m. on Friday on YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube right now. Uh, there's going to be a two hour live stream reacting to everything that happens as deadline day ticks to zero. There's going to be lots of different Fulhamish people jumping on there. So if you're getting annoyed with Sky Sports News because they're not talking about Fulham or you're just wanting a bit of Fulham chatter, then make sure you head over to the YouTube and our deadline day live stream. We've done it for about two or three years in a row now and it's uh, always good fun, always good vibes. Uh, so make sure you subscribe to watch that. Right, we're going to take another quick break. Afterwards, we'll do some questions and then this will catch on. Part three of the Fulhamish podcast. It's Sammy here with Jack and Archie. Let's do a couple of questions and a couple of this will catch on entries. Jacob Stevenson asks, hi Fulhamish. Maybe this is a bit of a knee jerk, but I've been starting to wonder if we need to look at another option in attacking midfield. There seems to be a general acceptance that Andreas starts and that TC is his backup. However, whilst Pereira played well in his cameo against Everton in his start against Brentford, he carried on the below average form that he was carrying into the end of last season before he injury. Even last season, there were plenty of games where we had plenty of the ball and created very little in the form of good chances. And this trend has followed us in the two of the first two games of this season. I'm beginning to wonder if we need a different profile of attacking midfielder to challenge Andreas for his place. Maybe someone that gets beyond the striker or has more of a cutting edge. I might be overreacting to a bad run. He did send this a week ago, in fairness. Uh, or does anyone agree else agree that we should be looking at another player to compete for that spot? Love the pod. And that's from Jacob. Jack, your thoughts? I mean, that's, it, would, it would argue exactly why Fulham were interested in Lucas Campos, I imagine. Um, it would would probably be in that role I think but also gives us the opportunity to change things out wide as well so I can understand it and it seems that with that interest Fulham are probably looking at something look Andres was really good against Arsenal I thought um, and then he came on and did some bits against Tottenham as well he Silver, as we talked about last week Sammy seems to love him and every time we're like oh maybe this isn't a game for Andreas he plays anyway. So there's obviously a real belief in him from from Marco Silva, which is nice because he's a player that hasn't had that belief throughout his career, I think, from a lot of managers. So for someone to trust him so implicitly, I think it's probably a thing that we can rely on and also that he can feel loved and wanted. And I think that there's a lot to, to like about that. I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with Andreas uh, and TC, but I can understand why where, where Jacob's coming from. I just think his dead ball ability is probably what keeps him constant in this team because Fulham are going to try and create from set pieces. It's been a thing under Marcus Silva. 
Uh, Daryl Bruggink says, Dear Fulhamish, thanks for all the great work and content. Um, not only does Marco Silva's contract run out on the 30th of June 2024, but there's quite a list of players too. Whilst it's understandable that players like Reem and Willian are on one-year deals moving forward, um, we're certainly trying to move on Tosin and we're definitely not fussed about Anthony Knockhart or Terence Congolo. There's a handful I think we'd want to re-sign rather <laughs> He's than still lose. I don't know if he is. I think we actually might have got rid He's of him not. in the last two or three days. I think he might have gone somewhere. No, we? Yeah, I think I, he's still around. <laughs> the fact that we don't know, like he's still it is, there, I'm fairly sure. Yeah, I'm. I mean, but fairly sure, Sammy. That's my point. We don't really know if this guy is still there. I, I mean, as far as Google is saying, <laughs> Terry Singolo is still a Fulham player. I saw a link uh, yesterday. We sent out to Motspur Park yeah, no, to check. No, I, saw a, I saw a link yesterday where someone, I think it was a French club, were trying to get Fulham to terminate his contract so he could join them. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, it's not, not great. Um Daryl continues, though, to say about slightly more uh, concerning players that might be leaving. Unless I didn't get the memo, here are those out of contract next year. Marek Rodak, Kenny Tete, Harrison Reed, Tom Kearney, Bobby Decker, Dover Reed, Jay Stansfield. Well, that's, really, that's now a new contract, so you can cross that one off the list. And Tyrese Francois. He said, does this seem like an unusually high number of contracts running down? Your thoughts on what might be the future of those players? Um, Archie, I mean, there's definitely some, some big hitters on, on that list. Tete and Reed would be the one, and Decadover Reed would be the ones for me. Kearney, kind of understandable. I'm not 100% sure. I, I, you'd have thought Kearney will stay. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely some contracts to be sorted. Comes back to what we were saying. Long-term planning. You need to be on top of this in terms of contracts and direction that the club is going in. And if you are on top of that, then you're not scrabbling about. But someone like Bobby Deckard-Dover Reed is a very important player for not not necessarily the first team every week, even though for the majority of the time he is. Um, but for the squad, you need players like him and Timothy Castagna as well, who are going to go and fill gaps on evenings where they you need him to do a job. And similarly, to be honest, in terms of his mentality, the same with Harrison Reed. No one has him down as your first choice defensive midfielder, but you know that he is going to work his arse off whenever he's he's there. And that is the sort of character that you want as well. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Kenny Tete is going. I probably got a good move to a Champions League club at some point. Mm. But your job as a club is to create a concept that players buy into as well, that you're going in that general direction. And if you are just swinging like a pendulum from season to season, then ultimately the chances are that players will start to be like, oh, you know what, maybe it is it is time. And, you know, the more time that Marco spends at the club as well, the more I, I, you can tell that he was tempted at least in the summer in, in some form. But yeah, uh, there needs to be greater long-term planning in the way that Fulham approach these things. Yeah. Uh, right, let's do this or catch on before we finish. Uh, this first one has come in from someone called Archie Rind Tut. Um, <laughs> it was sent to me <laughs> at uh, 10 o'clock on the 3rd of August on oh, WhatsApp. God. And uh, I thought that this would be the perfect place uh, to, uh, to, to, to find out 
what what the what the crowd thinks of it. It's for oh. our Brazilian winger Willian, and uh, in <laughs> fairness, was slightly related to the situation at the time, which is fairly resolved. But uh, Jack, get your thoughts on this, please. Have it. You're Willian. You're really out. In out in out. Shake it all about. You sign a one year deal and then go. Hmm. I'm out. <laughs> That's what it's all about. <laughs> Well, I mean, glad we've cleared that one up. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think that if you sang that on a terrace, you might be arrested. So I'm, I'm going to go with it. <laughs> um, I think that unfortunately we're going to have to uh, maybe ban it. <laughs> but um, but I, I like the I like the concept. Uh, he wasn't on the bench yesterday. It's another one that's just no. a little bit of a, con- no. a concern. But um, maybe he's not. Maybe this song isn't isn't over. Maybe this maybe this I, drama isn't finished just yet. I don't know if that's too controversial to be, to be put out. I thought you were going to play the other one I sent you. I didn't send you a musical version of that. Oh, yeah. I sent you one at Glastonbury. You did. Um, which uh, so, do you which is probably out. Which is Do you want to read it out? I'll, I'll let you read it out. Um, it was very good. It was the uh, Rhythm is a Dancer. I'm not singing it. Rhythm is a Dancer. Fulham is the Answer. Craven Cottage in the Air. Marco Silva's magic, Brentford art is tragic. You can see it everywhere. Uh oh, Michael Jackson. <laughs> uh oh, okay, this was a glass of statue, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's quite something. It's quite something. Look, we, we all have these thoughts um, going through mind. Uh, I just, if, if you ever thought I was serious, yeah. Um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that that's been put to bed um, um so yeah i enjoy, I enjoy keep, your random voice keep right in the march one day one day we're gonna hit we're gonna hit on gold one day we'll catch we'll strike gold i just thought that um, right this one this is the last one we'll do today i love this um this is from eddie kirkland in atlanta georgia he says, what better way to pay tribute to our German superhero than a Caribbean classic? Here is a submission for This Will Catch On to the tune of Banana Boat by Harry Belafonte. Oh. <laughs> this actually is, is very, very fun. Little, little, <laughs> Well, it's musically exquisite. Wow. <laughs> 
I mean, it's absolutely Aww. exceptional. Musically glorious. I love it. I love it. How do I go tell? It's playing again, Sammy. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. Um, Eddie left me a bit of background just at the oh end of it to, to talk over. Oh, that is fantastic. Oh, like, like audio production levels, he gets 10 out of 10 as well. You leave a bed? Yeah, unbelievable <laughs> scenes. Um, he needs to get a job at Radio 1. He's, he's... <laughs> that was, that was truly class. exceptional. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Mr. Striker Man. Yeah. All right, just there there were some real moments. But I think more than anything, it was just the, you know, the overarching feeling of imagine the Hammersmith then trying to sing this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm going to, I'm going to be, the only negative I have is that I don't think it's going to catch on. But apart from that, absolutely sensational. Glorious. I had a great time. I enjoyed myself a lot. Uh, Archie, before we finish, uh, mm. would you like your uh, 30 second rant on anything? You know, I know <laughs> the ticket prices are still a joke, that it's not what Fulham stands for, that there are people who care too much about the short term and not about the long term. And that happens on transfers and it happens on the way that they treat us as supporters. I realised I've not been to a Craven Cottage home game for a good year or so now. And I realised that actually I'm pretty reticent to because it's tough. It's tough to know what the club are, are doing there and the way that they've just decided to lock out people. Um, so yeah, I... I'm gonna. I'm, I'm dressing it up in a in a slightly different tone today. I, I I don't have any anger, rage left in my voice with it, but it still remains a disgrace. There you go. Love it, and you timed it beautifully. That was almost thirty seconds on the dot, Archie. Really? You've had, you've become uh, brilliantly <laughs> trained from your. Your your tight your appearances on the Guardian Football Weekly, where Mattis <laughs> gives you forty five seconds to talk about Fulham. You've clearly the praxis has just uh, paid off over the years. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and that'll do for the pods today, uh, Jack. What would you like to go with as today's podcast name? I've come around to the fact that I think actually the the key might be Dave Kettlehakes, Fulham's anger management. That is genuinely absolutely sensational. I'm going with it. Amazing stuff. Well, what a fun pod today. Extra long. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, we uh, will be back at the weekend looking back at that Manchester City game, the final match before the international break. Thank you so much to my guest today. It's Jack Collins, as ever. Thank you. Thank you for having me as ever, Sammy. Archer in Tup. It's been amazing. We've loved it. We've laughed. We cried. Thank you for being on the podcast and just make sure that you uh, go have a word of Bayern Munich before Friday. Thank you. I will. I hope I don't get cancelled for the William chant. <laughs> Didn't know you were going to play that at all. <laughs> Some things are maybe kept for WhatsApp, but uh, apparently not. <laughs> we're, all, we're all friends. Everyone's your friend. No Seems one's cancelling you. <laughs> Good. Good. As, hey, as long as you're behind me, mate. You know, I'm with, I'm with you all the way. With your sword, ready. Um, that'd be great. <laughs> 
All right. Well, thank you very much for listening today. If you're heading up to Manchester on Saturday, um, good luck. The train strikes are not making it easy. Hopefully the lads put in a performance to do us all proud. And uh, if you're not going to the game, have a great weekend anyway. Come on, you whites. You whites.